Boy, I'd just like to jump on force back here, man. Uh, we don't know how lucky we are to have you. There, there are very few liberal voices worth listening to. You are one of them, and for you to be in Las Vegas is, uh, is tremendous for us. And one other thing, Force said he's going to uh, ask his union brothers to, to support you. Where the hell are the politicians, you know? Uh, Catherine Cortez Masto, Jackie Rosen, Dina Titus, Steve Horsford, you have no greater advocate to support you and your cause than Doug Basham. Why the hell aren't you writing this man a check to help him uh, uh, produce this great radio show? I just don't get it. If you spend the money on a 15-second commercial on radio or TV, it's gone. It just vaporizes into the ether. Give it to Doug, and you've got 15 months to cover. 100% fact. I'm back, bitches! What if you knew Fox News was just lying to you? How could you watch when you know? He was voted Variety Entertainer of the Year at the Excellence in the Arts Awards and is one of the highest arbitrage now Nielsen-rated talk radio hosts in Las Vegas. He is also a refreshing voice of logic and reason. Live from the entertainment capital of the world, Doug Basham. Raise a little hell, raise a little hell. I know words, I have the best words. I love the poorly educated. Right under the toilet. Good morning, my fellow wokes and Republican jokes. Thanks for joining me today. My name is Doug Basham, and welcome to the Doug Basham Show right here on KSHP in Las Vegas and on social media and to a genuine demonstration of excellence in broadcasting. The website is DougBasham.com, last name spelled B as in Bob, A-S-H-A-M as in Mary, DougBasham.com, my email, Doug at DougBasham.com. For anyone who is new to the show, on my website, you will find links to every website associated with this show. In particular, links to all my social media sites, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, Twitch, and TikTok, on four of which we both broadcast this show live and archive the shows. Here's the easiest way to do it. On my website, click on the YouTube link. Once there, click on the link that says live, whereupon you can either watch the show live or boom, all the archive shows are right there. Also, if you would, while you're there, click on the subscribe link. 221-7283 is our call-in number here at the station, folks. If you would like to talk on the radio later, as in our second half hour, that's 702-221-SAVE, as in Save Our Democracy, which is our ultimate and only goal in each and every show we do, lock him up. To begin this week, I would be remiss if I didn't start with a quick shout-out to my UAW union brothers and sisters in their strike against the big three U.S. automakers. And just to show you how union brothers and sisters truly act like siblings who always have each other's backs, I want you to hear what Sarah Nelson had to say over the weekend. Sarah is the president of the AFACWA, the Association of Flight Attendants. The AFA represents nearly 50,000 flight attendants at 20 airlines. It's not her union that's on strike, but you wouldn't know it when you listen to her. 
I thought it was brilliant. And that's exactly what they need to do. Joe Biden has credibility with the unions. He's dedicated most of his life. Something has happened. And and I I want you to help me with this because you and I have talked about strikes for several months now. There are several uh, ongoing, including the the Writers Guild and the and and SAG. There are uh, flight attendants who are poised to strike. There was the uh, the Teamsters who didn't strike. But there's a change in tone with a lot of these labor leaders where they're coming in and saying, these are the requests we have. You might think they're outsized because they're 10 times what you ever offer us, but they're not as much as what you bosses are making. They're not as much as what the shareholders are making. And by the way, this is the moment to strike. So don't tell me to live to fight another day. This is actually when we're striking. So I want to be really clear that it's the companies that are choosing the strikes, not the other way around. And you'd see that very clearly that workers are making their demands up front. We're very clear about what our demands are. It has gone in the wrong direction for too long, essentially since Ronald Reagan fired the air traffic controllers in 1981. And it was open season on unions um, and and a destruction of the strike. The strike is about coming to a deal. It is not about the strike. No worker wants to go on strike. Um, but we want to go on strike when the company is not being fair, when they are not negotiating with us fairly. And that has been going on for too long. And so what we've said right up front with our demands is what we're willing to do. That's why UPS settled. It was a credible strike threat. It was serious from the Teamsters. That's what we're going to continue to see. And the big three apparently didn't get the message. Amen, Sister Sarah. Amen. She's a pistol, isn't she? Now, just so you know, I have reached out to Sarah and invited her to be a guest on the show. She got right back to me and told me who I had to contact and said if we can work out a time and day that will accommodate her insanely busy schedule, she would love to join us. So I sent that person a message, and I'll keep you in the loop. And by the way, you can follow Sarah on Twitter at Flying with Sarah, and that's S-A-R-A, no H, at Flying with Sarah. And you know what I always thought would be the best part of being a flight attendant? You get to walk down the aisle and, and say trash to everyone's face. And I remember once a flight attendant asked me if I would like dinner. I asked her, what are my choices? And she said, yes or no. And you know what you call a pregnant flight attendant? Pilot error? A lawyer boarded a plane in New Orleans once with a box of frozen crabs and asked the flight attendant to take care of them for him. She took the box and promised to put it in the crew's refrigerator. He advised her that he was holding her personally responsible for them staying frozen, mentioning in a very haughty manner that he was a lawyer, and he proceeded to rant at her about what would happen if she let them thaw out. Well, needless to say, she was annoyed by his condescending behavior, so shortly before landing in New York, she used the intercom to announce to the entire cabin, would the gentleman who gave me the crabs in New Orleans please raise your hand? Not one hand went up, so she took them home and ate them. And did you hear this one? Henry Winkler, former star of Happy Days, was flying from New York to L.A., The flight attendant came over and asked him, would you like free headphones? Winkler replied, that would be lovely, but it's pronounced Fonz. And back in early 2020, almost a year before the presidential election, a flight attendant saw a suspicious-looking couple on board, so she reported it to the captain immediately. She said, Sir, I think we have a case of human trafficking. There's a young, very pretty and sexy lady passenger on board who looks right downright frightened, and the man with her is a fat old slob who looks like a lecher, very mean, depraved, and dangerous-looking. The captain said, Patricia, I've told you this before. This is Air Force One. Now we hear from another one of my favorites, Republican strategist Tara Setmeyer. She was asked about President Biden's plan to travel to Michigan and meet and picket with striking UAW workers the night before Trump has plans to inflict himself upon them. I thought it was brilliant. And that's exactly what they need to do. 
Joe Biden has credibility with the unions. He's dedicated his, most of his life to being that guy from Scranton, Pennsylvania, and talking about unions and supporting union workers, which was a core constituency for the Democrats. So he's coming in and he's going to overshadow Donald Trump because guess what? Joe Biden is the president of the United States and Donald Trump is a loser who's under indictment, who's a billionaire and who the, UA, uh, the, the UAW workers, uh, the leadership doesn't even want him there because he's saying, listen, the, Donald Trump represents everything we're fighting against. So the dynamic there, I think, is going to be fascinating. And it is in favor of Joe Biden because he actually has a record to run on that supports unions. Brilliant move by the White House. And, you know, that's something I'm not clear on at all. If what Tara said is true and union bosses don't want Trump there, why is this evening? Ha why is this even happening? I mean, we all know what he's going to do and all he's capable of doing, lying. And worse, he destroyed a lot of people's lives with his attempt to overturn an election and our democracy. Why in the holy hell is anybody even giving this guy the time of day, let alone letting him come in and speak before their groups? I don't get it. In any event, Another quick shout-out to a talented and more-than-attractive singer who sold out two back-to-back -back concerts at our Allegiant Stadium a few, a few weeks back, two nights in a row. And let me preface this by asking you, what do you call a fast clothes maker? Taylor Swift. Yes, and Taylor was named after folk singer James Taylor. Winter, spring, summer, fall Now, you might be wondering why I'm talking about Taylor Swift on a political show. Well, because there's a political aspect involved in this story. Be patient. In 2019, Swift was honored as Billboard's first ever Woman of the Decade, awarding her for her humanitarian endeavors in 2012. Then First Lady Michelle Obama described her as someone who has rocketed to the top of the music industry but still keeps her feet on the ground, and someone who has shattered every expectation of what a 22-year-old can accomplish. Swift has notched eight number ones on the Billboard Hot 100, not surprising considering Swift's own hotness and talent. No question, the girl can shake it. You know, that's a much better song to do the Trump dance to than anything else we've played. Seriously. I got to tell you, one of the things I love most about Taylor Swift is how she doesn't take herself too seriously and even pokes fun at herself. Example, watch the ending of the music video for that song, Shake It Off. It is absolutely hilarious, and it's Taylor Swift poking fun at herself. Now, whether she's your cup of tea or not, she has become a dominant figure in pop culture. She's become a role model for millions, and she's just fun. And I adore her. I would call Taylor Swift one of the OGs, one of the original influencers. Today, she has over 272 million followers on Instagram. 272 million. Other reasons to love Taylor Swift. She first broke her political si silence back in 2018 when she spoke out in support of Tennessee's Democratic Senate candidate, Phil Bredesen. 
She slammed the record of his Republican opponent, then-U.S. Congresswoman Marsha Blackburn, citing Blackburn's opposition to certain LGBTQ rights and voting against the reauthorization of the Violence Against Women Act in 2013. Taylor Swift identifies as a pro-choice feminist and is one of the founding signatories of the Time's Up movement against sexual harassment. She has criticized the U.S. Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade and end federal abortion rights in 2022. Swift advocates for LGBTQ rights and has called for the passing of the Equality Act, which prohibits discrimination based on sex, sexual orientation, and gender identity. The New York Times wrote that her 2011 music video, Mean, had a positive impact on the LGBTQ community. Swift performed during World Pride New York City 2019 at the Stonewall Inn, a gay rights monument, and she has dedicated to the LGBTQ organization's Tennessee Equality Project and GLAD, the Gay and Lesbian Alliance Against Defamation. She is a, is a, she is a supporter of our March for Our Lives movement and gun control reform in the U.S., and has also been a vocal critic of white supremacy, racism, and police brutality. She also called for the removal of Confederate monuments in Tennessee. She endorsed Joe Biden and Kamala Harris in the U.S. presidential election, and following the George Floyd protests, she donated to the NAACP Legal Defense and Educational Fund and to the Black Lives Matter movement. And again, Taylor Swift has over 272 million followers on Instagram. And perhaps you heard slash recall this. In 2020, she urged her fans to check their voter re registration ahead of the elections, which resulted in 65,000 people registering to vote within one day of her post. Which is why I bring her up today, last week on Tuesday, which happened to be voter registration day, Swift once again urged her Swifties, as they're called, to register to vote. How successful was that request? Nick Morrow, Vote.org's communications director, posted on Twitter that Vote.org averaged 13,000 users every half hour after Swift's post. And Vote.org CEO Andrea Haley said, quote, you want to know something even more wild? We see an 849% increase here compared to 2021. 849% increase. This generation's eagerness to participate is a game changer. They are the future and their energy will shape the outcomes of upcoming elections, end quote. After Taylor's post, Vote.org saw a 22% increase from their previous year, and get this, a 115% increase in registrations by 18-year-olds compared to last year. It was the largest voter registration day since, well, 2020, which is a big reason why I'm sure Republicans are doing and will continue to do whatever they can to stop people from voting, and B, continue to stry, try and steal elections. The good news for America, Taylor sure ain't encouraging her Swifties to vote for the anti-democracy, anti-union, anti-rule of law, anti-woman, and anti-green party. Therefore, I take my hat off to the talented, painfully lovely, and right on the issues, Taylor Swift. That song is too good to do the Trump dance to. I mean, it's just an insult. And by the way, I should note here that it has been reported that Taylor Swift wrote that song, You Belong With Me, with your humble host in mind. Now, I'm the one who reported that, but still, a man can dream, can't he? I'm just gonna shake, 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 shake. 
Your girl can shake. And one last note, if you watched the NFL game yesterday between my Kansas City Chiefs and Justin Chicago Bears, did you happen to see who was sitting in chief receiver Travis Kelsey's family suite with his mom, Donna Kelsey? None other than Taylor Swift. And what's funny about that is Travis Kelsey went to a Taylor Swift concert back in July at Arrowhead Stadium, the Chiefs' home stadium. He tried to speak with Taylor before the concert as he had a friendship bracelet he'd made for her with his phone number on it. He was told that she didn't speak with anyone before a concert, so Travis thought he'd been shot down. After yesterday, I'm not so sure. Perhaps Taylor met the parents even before the first date? But come on, Travis, it's not enough you got the best quarterback in the game throwing you passes. Now you think you have standing to throw this princess, this queen, this goddess passes? Come on. Well, folks, it didn't work. I tried, but it just didn't work. I had the weekend off and I did everything I could to calm down after the sheer rage and disgust I felt covering our main story on Friday. But every time my attention went to the news, which was, of course, most of the weekend, I mean, shows like this don't just happen without a crap ton of research, you know. But every time I started watching and analyzing the news, the orange and traitorous gut wagon was featured, and it kept bringing me back to that story. I was also upset because of a glitch we had on Friday. Let me explain. As you know, we stream this show live on four social media sites, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Twitch. And how that works is, I opened an account with StreamYard, which is responsible for streaming the shows live. And every night, I schedule the following morning show for 11 a.m. on my StreamYard page. Come 11 a.m. the next day, using a camera, microphone, and computer here in the studio, StreamYard starts broadcasting the show live on those four media sites. But here's the thing. When I go to StreamYard every night at home, they recognize my computer, and I never have to log in. But in order to hook StreamYard up to the camera and mic here in the studio, Justin has to log in from the station's computer here in the studio. And because it's not his StreamYard account from which he is trying to log on, they want to make sure it's either me or someone I have authorized to log into my account from a computer that isn't mine. And so what they do is they send a six-number code to my email account, which I then open up on my phone, give Justin the code, he logs on from the station's computer, and boom! The show is streamed live on those four social media sites. But what happened Friday was, for some reason, my email program got backed up, which translated means my emails were coming in two to three hours later than they were sent. And as any email user knows, usually when someone sends you an email, it arrives within seconds. And that's what normally happens daily when StreamYard sends me the code at 11 a.m., which I then give to Justin. That didn't happen on Friday, and so without the code, StreamYard wouldn't begin the stream. So what I suggest, if this ever happens in the future and you see a scheduled show that isn't starting on time, just go to my website, again, DougBasham.com, click on the link to the radio station. It's the link on the far left. That way, you can at least listen to the show. And I apologize to our social media viewers for that glitch, and I still don't know what happened with my email program on Friday. It's been working fine ever since, including this morning. That said, I found myself with a bit of a dilemma. Because the show wasn't streamed, not only did our social media viewers not get to see it, I have no record or recording of it. And I found that upsetting because I believe the story we addressed was one of the most important and telling stories we have covered of late. Now, I first thought of doing a recap of Friday's show to begin today's show and picking up where we left off on Friday, but the entire lead up to the main story would be missing, and it was detailed. I mean, I put some work and research into it. 
and after wrestling with a few possible solutions, none of which seemed satisfactory, this is what I finally decided to do. And this might be unprecedented. I don't know. I kind of doubt it, but it is certainly unusual. What I'm going to do is I am going to redo Friday's show in its entirety tomorrow as close to how I did it on Friday, with some additions that have happened since then, of course. And there won't be any announcement that it's a redo, therefore this is your only warning. But I not only thought that story was important, I was kind of proud how I put the whole thing together. And selfishly, I want a record and recording of it. So that's what we'll be doing tomorrow. If you are part of this show's radio audience and you heard Friday's show, hey, I invite you to listen to it again, especially if you're a Trumper. You are who needs to hear it the most. Next up, on the Robert Menendez indictment, I have seen so many pundits on the left posit that this will undercut the right's claim of a two-tier justice system or of a DOJ that just picks on Republicans. No, it won't. The New York Times ran an article on Saturday that carried the headline, quote, Menendez indictment appears to undercut claims of two-tier justice system. No, it doesn't. The right's attitude now is, oh yeah, they indicted Menendez because they didn't want to indict Joe Biden and the Biden-Cram family. And if the DOJ were to indict Biden, their response would be, oh, they're just doing this to distract us and make us think the DOJ is impartial and not out just to get us Republicans. It's not a serious indictment, and he'll get off without any punishment whatsoever because the DOJ is in Biden's back pocket. This is a smokescreen, folks. It's a false flag. And that is exactly what they would do if Joe Biden were to be indicted. They would find a way to make themselves the victims. Remember, these people, the same ones who have the unmitigated gall to call other snowflakes, have become the biggest eternal victims this planet has ever seen. No matter what happens, they're never, ever happy. First, they absolutely and unequivocally must always portray themselves as oppressed and persecuted victims, as they have allowed their media to brainwash them into believing that's what they are. Hence, and therefore, every investigation and or prosecution into someone on the right is only a witch hunt against poor, downtrodden Republicans who apparently never do anything wrong. Add to that, if they were to admit the truth concerning this proving there isn't a two-tier justice system that's just going after conservatives, it would completely destroy the narrative and lie that Trump, his media, and toadies in Congress have been pushing, namely that there are two systems of justice and one of them is targeting Republicans. That is only true in the context that Republicans commit more crimes, starting with their completely corrupt and criminal head of their party. Oh, and just to clarify, a bit of advice. Don't hold your breath waiting for legitimate president and non-criminal defendant Joe Biden to be indicted. That's as likely as Donald Trump telling the, Donald Trump telling the truth about something. And one last note on the Menendez indictment. I fear Democrats are Al Frankening Bob Menendez. Now, granted, the charges against Menendez are far, far more serious than what Al Franken did to get bounced out of the Senate, which was nothing. And I said at the time, his being bounced was just stupid over a dumb photo that was taken back when he was an entertainer overseas, I might add, entertaining our troops. Again, stupid. And I certainly don't want to give the impression I'm condoning what it is alleged Menendez did. I mean, from what I've seen thus far, it's almost as bad as John Fetterman's clothes, for God's sake. It's just that Democrats are trying to play by the rules of decency and honor while the other side threw the rule book out years ago and don't possess an ounce of decency among them. Example, compare what Trump's been indicted for and what Menendez has. 
And yet, yet, who was the front runner in the QOP primary? And how many Republicans are asking Trump to withdraw or ever have, like his father should have? And how many Democrats are asking Menendez to run for president? And I'm certainly not suggesting Democrats start attacking our democratic institutions and further destroying people's confidence in them. But it does seem Democrats couldn't wait and were just falling all over one another to tell Menendez to go. Permit me to offer, oh, I'm sorry, here's Michelle Goldberg, columnist for the New York Times, who I love. Michelle has been a guest on this show in the past, but she too had her long knives out for Menendez. And in fact, she said she was more disappointed that even more Democrats haven't asked him to resign. We'll hear the question she's asked and her response. So he's sounding very defiant today. He's put out a statement saying, I'm not going anywhere. Um, he, I mean, he's temporarily resigned the chairmanship of the committee, but he's not quitting his seat. Michelle, even though the governor of New Jersey, a Democrat, has said go, uh, multiple House Democrats from New Jersey have said resign, uh, state Assembly and legislature Democrats have said resign all in the first day. This is not the Republican Party. Democrats are not all lining up behind him, not in his own state. How should Democrats nationwide, Chuck Schumer, President Biden, how should they respond? Should they all be saying go now? Yes, absolutely. I mean, I think it's disappointing that they haven't done it yet, but it's still early. And my hope is that the dam sort of breaks this weekend and you see a united front among Democrats demanding his resignation. And frankly, if he won't resign, they should expel him. Um, you know, the Democratic yeah. Party... Both, both, you know, both kind of substantively, because this conduct is so outrageous, so corrupt and such a threat to national security. But also, as you said, to show that the Democrat, you know, both political parties have corrupt actors in them. But what makes them different, I think, is not just that you have more corruption on the Republican side. The really significant difference is how the parties deal with corruption and whether they try to, you know, whether they try to kind of police their own or whether they will accept any amount of, of misdeeds from somebody with whom they're aligned. Now, permit me to offer my critique of what you just heard Michelle say. Yes, Michelle, I get your point, and I don't disagree with it. But here's my point. It's wonderful to wrap yourself in a moral superiority blanket and do the right thing. And yes, this situation does present Democrats with a golden opportunity to illustrate the difference between their party and the QOP. But do that and do it right away. Don't start your comment by beating the brakes off Bob Menendez and then play the moral superiority card later as if it's an afterthought. If you're going to play the moral superiority card, and I agree you should, because when it comes to morals and ethics, we Democrats are superior, period. But I would humbly suggest you play that card first and play it louder and with more intensity than you do the Menendez must go card. And here's what I mean by that. If I were a Democratic strategist, I would advise my peeps to respond like this. Instead of making the entire first half of your comment a beatdown of Menendez and leaving the moral superiority part to later, I would answer something like this. Yes, I think he should go, but the most important element of this story is we Democrats cast off our corrupt politicians. We don't attack every institution necessary for our democracy's survival in order to protect them, nor do we make them the front-runner in our presidential primary when they've accumulated far more indictments and far, far more felony charges like Trump has, which, by the way, he garnered for trying to steal an election he'd admitted he lost and tried to destroy our democracy in the process and is running again to finish what he started. Does that make sense? I said the right thing about Menendez, but briefly, 
And then I focused all my ire and rage on the biggest clear and present danger this country faces, Donald Trump. I think that's a better strategy. Do you agree? Offer the four obligatory and correct words, yes, he should go, but then move on immediately. It is neither necessary nor is it productive to dwell on Menendez and draw blood. To do so makes it seem like this is a both sides are the same issue. It's not. Just say, yes, he should go, and then immediately pivot to what your strength is. And at the end of the day, your strength is not beating up Bob Menendez. Your strength is and should be beating up Donald Trump. So what I recommend is using Bob Menendez in two ways. One, as a weapon to beat up Donald Trump, and two, as an example to illustrate Democrats' moral superiority. Trump is your enemy, not Bob Menendez. Yes, Menendez is a problem, but he's not the biggest clear and present danger and existential threat to this country right now. Trump is. In other words, use Menendez to your utmost advantage. And I would submit it is to your utmost advantage to immediately go after Trump, not Menendez. Do you folks agree? And you know, there is a way you can let me know. You can call me right now at 221-7283. That's area code 702-221-SAVE. As in, save our democracy from Donald Trump, not Bob Menendez. The justice system will work as it is supposed to with Menendez because Democrats won't attack it and destroy people's confidence in it. So contrast Democrats' decency with the QOP's complete lack of it using Trump as your pinata and focus your rage on that element of the story and lead with that. Lead with that. Do it first. Do it loud. Do it proud. And this is the same complaint I have with Democrats messaging on Trump's traitorous corruption and the peril our, demo our democracy faces because of his betrayal of this country. It does no good to tell that to a private meeting. It needs to be shouted from the highest mountains in the land or at least from an oversized soap soapbox. And they just seem reluctant to do that. The person who asked Michelle that question was MSNBC and Peacock host Mehdi Hassan. Like me, he brought up Al Franken, too. And once again, Michelle Goldberg responded. And yet, Michelle, a lot of people on social media today pointing out that Al Franken was kicked out of the Senate by his own Democratic colleagues, including Chuck Schumer, for much less than what Robert Menendez is accused of. And yet Majority Leader Schumer today said he's a dedicated public servant and he deserves, you know, a fair trial in his right to hear, which of course he does. But that's got nothing to do with the politics of this. The politics of it, Chuck Schumer should be saying, you need to step aside, at least privately. We hope he's saying that, surely. Yeah. You have a right to a fair trial, but you don't have a right to a Senate seat. And part of the yes. argument for for asking Al Franken to resign was that he was hurting the party, right? He was hurting the party's ability to make a coherent case at the time against Roy Moore and more broadly against Republican um, sexual abuse. I mean, I think similarly, although obviously far, far more serious, you have a, you know, you have at a time, you have a time when Democrats are trying to make a case against flagrant Republican corruption, including an ex-president who compromised national security in this very, very sloppy way. And so you just, you, it's, you can't have this kind of on your own side. You just, for purely political reasons, he needs to go, but it's not only for political reasons that he needs to go. And you see what I mean? She just did it again. She spent the majority of her comment going on offense against both Bob Menendez and Al Franken. And then she spent all of five seconds on Trump near the end and then even went back to Menendez before she finished. And in that five Trump seconds, Michelle, all you could mention was his documents case and say he was sloppy. The guy tried to destroy our democracy. I think that probably is a stronger point than sloppy. Again, 
Keep your eye on the primary target. That is neither Bob Menendez nor Al Franken. Go after your primary target and enemy and play the moral superiority card first and spend more than five seconds on it and knock his bloody socks off. Make the attacks on your own peeps your secondary and much shorter part of your comment. Again, I wonder, do you agree? 221-7283 is our caller number here at the station, folks. If you would like to chat, that's area code 702-221-SAVE. Who we got to start with first, Justin? Carl, Carl, Carl. It's Carl. Carl, you're first. Thanks for calling. Yeah, hey, Doug. I hope you had a good weekend. I did. Yeah, that's great. That's great. My, my Chiefs uh, won and Taylor Swift was there. Who could ask for more? <laughs> Who could ask for anything more? That's a song. Yep. Anyway, uh, listen, uh, as far as the Menendez thing goes, Easy for you I've to heard say. on a lot of right-wing shows and all that, oh, you'll never hear anything about it on the uh, left wing or the uh, ABC, CBS. It's on all all the liberal shows and all the liberal TV stations. Oh, I know. I, I, just, I just played you two sound clips from what people call a liberal cable station featuring a liberal beating the brakes off Bob Menendez. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, one other thing, too, about a government shutdown. I hear a lot of uh, these extreme right-wing mental cases saying, oh, we hope there's a uh, government shutdown. Well, I hope if there is one, you know, it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt them because people who are getting Social Security, elderly people, whatever, who live on that are going to be, who do you think they're going to vote for? Who do you think they're going to vote against? Yeah. Well, let's hope. That's that's what's going to happen. Anyway, uh, get this. I hope you get some of the uh, nuts on. Well, you know, Carl, I I mentioned this the other day. I agree with you. I would love to have the nuts call in, but for some reason, the nuts ain't calling. Yeah. Well, I I haven't analyzed anybody in a long time since I retired, and I love to analyze some of them when I hear them on the air. I mean, they really need uh, help. (laughs) A lot of analyzing, but tell you the truth. They need help. They need interventions. They, they need, they need oh, deep they breathing. Need that, and uh, that's that's for sure. Yeah. Anyway, take care, and I'll talk to you again. Hey, I appreciate it, Carl. You have yourself a good week. 221-7283 is our caller number. That's area code 702-221-SAVE. And, you know, maybe it's just me, but in that sound clip we heard from Michelle, the second one, she said Democrats had to get rid of Al Franken because he was hurting the party. I'm not convinced that was the case. Like I said, it was a stupid photo from back in his comedian days taken when he was overseas entertaining our troops. Shouldn't that have been the focus? Like I said earlier, make the focus your strength. Franken's strength was he was a funny guy who was overseas entertaining our troops. So a picture surfaces of him with his hands over top of women's boobs. He wasn't touching them. And yeah, you could say it was stupid. He could apologize and say, yeah, it was stupid and, and agree to an ethics committee investigation, which he did. He did all that. But he could have maybe told them the circumstances surrounding the photo, a.k.a. again, he was entertaining our troops. Shouldn't that count for something? He could also say, yeah, it was a childish thing to do, but hey, I was a comedian back then. Childishness was how I made my living. It's not like I was lusting after my own daughter. And yes, I realize that was a low blow, but I've been around the political block enough times that fighting clean isn't always the first thing I resort to. Sometimes I'm more of a fire-with-fire kind of guy. And frankly, I am tired of any Democrat who shows up to a gunfight with a spoon. 221-7283 is our number. That's area code 702-221-SAVE. Justin, who's next? And I said, you can't see the forest for the trees. Run, forest, run! You can't 
See the honey for the bee. If it was a snake, it would have bitten you. I'm giving up on getting you. You can't see the forest for the tree. I was running. Now we go to a man who definitely can see the forest for the trees, primarily because he is the forest. Forrest, you're next. Thanks for calling. Yeah, uh, Doug, I was listening to you about Menendez and Al Franken and so forth. Um, I uh, I agree with you that the Democrats uh, really shouldn't be piling on Menendez. And way back in the day when he was first tried for taking money and lots of other stuff, mm-hmm. I, I, I just really defended him, and I was really glad it was a hum, hung jury. I think it was back in 2018, but the latest reports uh, say that he started in on this new venture of collecting a lot of wealth within weeks, yeah. within weeks after being um, uh, getting a hung jury. And so um, I, I agree we pile on our guys too much and our ladies maybe too much, but uh, somebody um, that's a long ways before uh, New Jersey has to declare on uh, who's going to be running in that Democratic primary. And there'll be months before, um, many months before that happens. So we can look at the evidence in the Menendez situation. And I, I just hope a strong Democrat runs against him in the primary and uh, we hold that seat. Now, moving on to Al Franken. Yeah. You're totally right. <clears throat> Al Franken, Harry, in my opinion, from what I've heard, Harry Reid was the head of the Senate at that time, and, and he was pushed by um, the senator from New York, uh, the female senator, I can't, I can't think of her name, but anyway. Gillibrand? Um, pardon? Kirsten Gillibrand? Yes. Yeah. And she's the one that started it all. And um, I believe, I, I, I met Harry, uh, I mean, I met um, Al Franken a few times uh, out here in Vegas. And I think if you ask him right now, right now, um, I believe uh, Harry Reid threatened him with taking away his positions on the uh, you know committees and so forth. And I think if you ask him right now, he would have said, when I went into Harry's office, I should have said, Harry, do everything you can possibly do. I'm running for re-election. And he would have been reelected. He would have been reelected. And, and so Al thinks he may, I believe if you ask him right now, he'll say, he made a mistake, and uh, we really lost a great, great senator over absolutely nothing in that situation. Yeah. And I'm really glad you brought up, um, talked about both those situations. That, that's all I have. Hey, I appreciate it, Forrest. Spot on as always. 221-7283 is our call number. That's area code 702-221-7283. Real quick. To his credit, I thought in his resignation speech, Al Franken took a shot I believed needed to be taken. Senator from Minnesota. Thank you, Mr. President. A couple months ago, I felt that we had entered an important moment in the history of this country. We were finally beginning to listen to women about the ways in which men's actions affect them. The moment was long overdue. I was excited for that conversation and hopeful that it would result in real change that made life better for women all across the country and in every part of our society. Then the conversation turned to me. Over the last few weeks, a number of women have come forward to talk about how they felt my actions had affected them. I was, I was shocked. I was upset. But in responding to their claims, I also wanted to be respectful of that broader conversation because all women deserve to be heard and their experiences taken seriously. I think that was the right thing to do. I also think It gave some people the false impression that I was admitting to doing things that, in fact, I haven't done. Some of the allegations against me are simply not true. Others I remember very differently. I said at the outset that the Ethics Committee was the right venue for these allegations to be heard and investigated and evaluated on their merits, that I was prepared to cooperate fully, and that I was confident in the outcome. 
You know, an important part of the conversation we've been having the last few months has been about how men abuse their power and privilege to hurt women. I am proud that during my time in the Senate, I have used my power to be a champion of women and that I've earned a reputation as someone who respects the women I work alongside every day. I know there's been a very different picture of me painted over the last few weeks, but I know who I really am. Serving in the United States Senate has been the great honor of my life. I know in my heart that nothing I have done as a senator, nothing has brought this honor on, on this institution. And I am confident that the Ethics Committee would agree. Nevertheless, today I am announcing that in the coming weeks, I will be resigning as a member of the United States Senate. I, of all people, am aware that there is some irony in the fact that I am leaving while a man who has bragged on tape about his history of sexual assault sits in the Oval Office, and a man who has repeatedly preyed on young girls' campaigns for the Senate with the, with the full support of his party. And I have faith, or at least hope, that members of this Senate will find the political courage necessary to keep asking the tough questions, hold this administration accountable, and stand up for the truth. This has been a tough few weeks for me, but I am a very, very lucky man. I have a beautiful, healthy family that I love and that loves me very much. I'm going to be just fine. Amen, Brother Al. Amen, Brother Al. And like Forrest said, we lost a great senator. And in my honest, not always humble opinion, we shouldn't have. It was a stupid picture from back when he was a comedian. It was a different era. It was a different time. It was no big deal. I mean, if you dug into my past, and you wouldn't have to go back much more than a week or two, you would find at least 10 things that were worse than that. I've said worse things to Justin off, uh, off air today that are worse than that. I mean, seriously, and this is in a new era. But, you know, sometimes things are just jokes. Sometimes they work. Sometimes they don't. But the bottom line is, again, we lost a great senator, I think, for nothing. Hey, folks, I got to run. That's it. It's been a slice. I appreciate you listening. I appreciate you calling. We'll do it all over again tomorrow, hopefully with you. Until then, take care.